what's good everybody it's jet black extreme and i'm back at it again with another episode of the zone podcast today i like to talk about a game that i've been playing for years a game that i have a love hate relationship with it is overwatch and considering that overwatch 2 is coming on october 4th I figured now would be a great time to talk about Overwatch 1 before we roll into Overwatch 2, and I might have an extended opinion on that game, but for now, let's stick to the first one. Without further ado, let's go ahead and zone in on this one. Overwatch, a 2016 team-based multiplayer first-person shooter game developed and published by Blizzard Entertainment. It's a hero shooter designed to have players uh, into two teams of six with each player selecting from this large roster of characters known as heroes with these unique abilities. Now, these teams work to complete map specific objective within a limited time period. Blizzard did add more characters, more maps, more game modes post-release, all free of charge, with the only additional cost of players being the optional loot boxes to purchase the cosmetic items. It was released on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows in 2016 of May. Uh, excuse me, May of 2016. <laughs> and then Nintendo Switch in October 2019. And it was an optimized performance patch in, for the Xbox Series S and S in March 2021. And then cross-platform play was supported across all platforms. Uh, pretty sure they forgot to mention that it's also on PS5, but that kind of should be a given. But yes, Overwatch, Blizzard's fourth major franchise and came about following the 2014 cancellation of Titan, which was a MMO uh, RPG back in 2014. Now, a portion of Titan uh, were inspired by the success of team-based first-person shooters like Team Fortress 2 and the popularity of multiplayer online battle arena games like League of Legends and Pokemon is kind of getting there, but I think by the time Pokemon Night became a thing and most people probably played, well, not most people, but a big chunk of people played League of Legends and they're already getting <laughs> tired of Pokemon Unite, which is fair. I, I understand you don't have to stick around for it, but it's all good. Overwatch, like I said, uh, it was kind of Titan in particular was inspired by Team Fortress 2 and MOBA games, creating a hero-based shooter with emphasized teamwork. Now, some elements of Overwatch borrow concept from the canceled Titan project, but you know, you can also tell uh, that it's one of those first-person shooters that you have to really emphasize teamwork, kind of like Paladins, uh, and maybe some other games that slips my mind right now. Uh, Overwatch was unveiled at the 2014 BlizzCon event and was in a closed beta from 
late 2015 to early 2016. The open beta before release drew in nearly 10 million players and Overwatch received universal acclaim from critics who praised the game for its accessibility, the diverse appeal of its hero characters, its cartoonish art style, and enjoyable play game. Uh, I think he kind of pushing it with enjoyable based on how many people just lose games over and over and they just get frustrated but like I said it's like a love-hate relationship with this game because you can get really frustrated at it and then your friend's gonna be like so we playing tomorrow I'm like yeah we'll play tomorrow hmm <laughs> Blizzard reported over 1 billion in revenue during its first year of its release and had more than 50 million players after three years. Overwatch is considered to be among the greatest video games ever made, receiving numerous Game of the Year awards and other accolades. The game is a popular esport with Blizzard funding and producing the Global Overwatch League. Now, I didn't see one note where they didn't want to lean into the esports scene at first. Because, of course, you don't want to, like, immediately jump into uh, that sort of thing when the game just came out. Because otherwise, that would be introducing a problem with the game where, well, really, what happened, one thing that I didn't like about Overwatch to where they were more focused on the competitive scene than people who just want to play it casually or, you know, just play with their friends, just fun. And I feel like that is what kind of killed the game for some folks. But there were other factors that kind of ruined the appeal of the game for other folks, too. But that was just one of those things. Uh, They were more concerned about the competitive play rather than uh, making a game that can be just as fun for people who doesn't take competitive play seriously. But it is what it is. Now, like I mentioned, there is Overwatch 2 coming. It was announced in 2019 and entered beta in 2022, which was a little earlier from now. And the player versus player portion of the game is free to play with all the cosmetic items from Overwatch carried over while introducing new heroes, new maps, new game modes. And they're also going to be a PVE, uh, player versus environment uh, co-op multiplayer mode. That'll be released later on in Overwatch 2. We're not going to get that right away, but it's coming soon. Now, okay. First of all, let me stop and say that I was fairly interested in this game upon announcement and bought the game a month after release. Didn't know it was already out by then. (laughs) It was a fun experience for me, even if I kept my most frustrated matches in mind. I wasn't all that good at first, but... It was one of the only games I played regularly that I committed to getting better at, and so I have. A lot of people don't like Overwatch, claim that it was a dead game for a while, but considering how the creative team tried to add new stuff when they could and did, I chose not to listen to the naysayers and continue to play. I mean, it was kind of dead for me. Like, I haven't played in months, actually. I'm actually planning on getting back into it a little bit before the game close down because it's going to shut down on October 2nd and it'll be two days before we get Overwatch 2. Since I already bought the game, not only will I wouldn't have to buy another game again, but Kiriko, one of the new 
heroes that's going to be introduced into the game. I think Joker Queen and Soldier 2, but that's not confirmed just yet. I think uh, they're just going to give us Soldier and Joker King Queen blah, like for free. And then Kiriko, you will have to get the battle pass or like just straight up buy her. But for those who already bought Overwatch 1, you just get her automatically. So, yay, I don't have to grind for her. <laughs> but after that, any new ki- heroes that um comes around, you're going to have to grind or pay for those. <laughs> it's kind of inconvenient for some folks, but then again, I think it's fair considering that if you're going to make Overwatch 2 free to play, the game's going to have to come across some sort of income to make up for this move. And I kind of saw this coming anyways when they say the free to play. I was like, they're making it free to play? Like, okay, they must be doing something different. Like, they're already getting rid of uh, loot boxes because well, one of the controversies was it just kind of made you develop a gambling addiction to agree to where you just basically throwing money at these loot bosses in hopes that you get that one skin that you want for that one character and yeah it got kind of bad now i will admit that i don't care for the way you obtain skins and other stuff in the game namely the loot box system uh on that front i agree with those who don't want this, but considering that the change being made to Overwatch 2, we might miss loot boxes. I don't know, almost ironic because I used to have a keychain of an Overwatch loot box with the sound effects, <laughs> but who knows? Now, gameplay. Overwatch, like I said, online, team-based, first-person shooter, generally played as, you know, six people. The game features several different game modes, principally designed around squad-based combat, opposing teams of six players each. Players select one of over two dozen pre-made uh, hero characters from one to three class types, which is damage heroes that deal the most damage to attack or defend control points, tank heroes that can absorb a large amount of damage, and support heroes that provide healing or other buffs for their teammates. Now, each hero has a unique skill kit, defining their intrinsic attributes like health points and running speed, their primary tags, several active and passive skills, and an ultimate ability that can only be used after it has been charged through dealing damage to enemies and healing allies. Now, players can change their hero during the course of a match as a goal of Overwatch's design was to encourage dynamic team compositions that adapt to the situation, which I did like about Overwatch, not gonna lie, because you don't want to feel locked into the one character you chose at the beginning, and then no matter how bad things get, you can't switch out the character just to change things up. You have to commit to it. Uh, that's one issue that I had with like League of Legends and Pokemon Unite, but uh, because of this alone, I thought, oh, not alone, but I just thought that's just one thing I liked about Overwatch in general. Like, you can't do that in thing games like Apex Legends, where once you pick Bloodhound or uh, Gibraltar, I forget these people's names. <laughs> I know most, I know some of them, but a lot of them kind of escape me nowadays. But 
you know, you just can't switch out those characters for something different just because the situation is into your favor. But yes, uh, where was I? The game's genre has been described by some journalists as a hero shooter, duh, and due to its design around specific heroes and classes. Uh, the game features game modes with casual play, competitive ranked play, and for supporting esports competition during Blizzard's Overwatch League. These modes generally are centered around uh, sequentially securing control points of the map or escorting a payload between points on the map with one team attacking while the other defends. And a ongoing gag in this game is how a lot of players will pro- uh, prioritize killing the opponent versus pushing the payload and then you're just like wondering why is no one pushing the payload like everybody just running around doing their own thing <laughs> that's probably why now other modes set aside for casual matches include solo and team death match which i'm kind of surprised they didn't add in the beginning capture the flag same thing and unique modes run during various seasonal events now, more recent updates have enabled users to craft their own game modes with a limited set of scripting tools. Regardless of winning or losing a match, player gains experience towards a player level and gaining a new level receive loot boxes that contain these cosmetic items that can be used to customize the appearance of a hero, but otherwise does not affect gameplay. Uh, loot boxes has, can also be purchased through microtransactions. And again, can't complain too much about my experience with the game. I enjoyed it for the most part. Even if I lost a lot of matches, it was something to fight the boredom I have um, from time to time. And I know another thing is a lot of folks nowadays are real sick and tired of microtransactions. So getting real loot boxes is probably like a godsend to them. But we'll see if they miss loot boxes um, eventually. Probably not, but we'll see. Now the plot. See, the backstory of Overwatch is described through animated shorts and other information distributed by Blizzard and promoting the game. Like for instance, you can see some comments that being released. Uh, that's what I kind of like about Overwatch and why people kind of associate it as a hero shooter. Because while it is a hero shooter, it can also branch off to be a comic book series. And hell, I can imagine it being a TV series, maybe, you know, movie. Like, it, it has the potential, but we'll just see where it goes. Now, Overwatch set 60 years into the future of a fictionalized Earth, 30 years after the resolution of what is known as the Omnic Crisis. Before the Omnic Crisis, humanity had been led into a golden age of prosperity and technology development. Humans developed robots with AI called Omnics, which were put to use to achieve economic equality and began to be treated as people in their own right. The Omnic Crisis began when the worldwide automated Omnium um, facilities that produced them started producing a series of lethal, hostile robots that attacked humankind. Initially, individual countries responded with various programs where we have the United States develop its soldier enhancement program to produce elite fighters, for example, while Germany assembled a nightlight crusaders. When these efforts failed to ward off the Omnics, the United Nations quickly formed Overwatch, which is an international task force 
combining these individual programs to combat this threat and restore order. Two veteran soldiers from the Soldier Enhancement Program were put in charge of Overwatch. We have Gabriel Reyes and Jack Morrison. Now, although Overwatch successfully quelled the robotic uprising and brought many talented individuals to the forefront, a rift developed between Reyes and Morrison due to Reyes being the official leader of the group, despite everyone viewing the more popular Morrison as their true leader. Eventually, Morrison was made the leader of Overwatch while Reyes was given charge of Blackwatch, which is Overwatch Covert Options Division, fighting terrorist organizations like Talon, which is a group of people that appears to be trying to start a second Omnic Crisis. And there's also No Sector, which is a group of Omnics that revolted against the society that persecuted Omnics following the first crisis. Now, that right there tells you that Overwatch is dealing with two enemy factions. There's Talon and there's No Sector. Now, Overwatch continued to be maintaining peace across the world for several decades and what came to be called the Overwatch Generation as the team gained more members but the rift between Morrison and Reyes intensified. One night, Blackwatch was dispatched to arrest a notorious monster with ties to Talon. After infiltrating the compound, Reyes chose to execute the monster rather than let him buy his way out of prison. This action caused Blackwatch and their less heroic action to be exposed to the public. Several allegations of wrongdoing and failures were leveled at Overwatch, leading to a public outcry against the organization and infighting between its members prompting the United Nations to investigate the situation. During this, an explosion destroyed Overwatch's headquarters in Switzerland, uh, proportionally killing Morrison and Reyes, among others. The UN then passed the Petrus Act, which dismantled Overwatch and forbade any Overwatch-type activity. Now, that's a lot. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I felt like when I read the comics and experienced the in-game lore, you know, the backstory in the game, it didn't necessarily do a great job, like, give you all the details of what went wrong. But I guess you can say you have to look at different content to kind of piece together everything that happened. But yeah, like, it just sounds like a whole lot happened. Um, reading it now. <laughs> now, the game was set six years after the Petrus Act. So, without Overwatch, corporations have started taking over, fighting and terrorism have broken out in parts of the globe, signs of a second ominous crisis was occurring in Russia, the intelligent guerrilla Winston, who was a former member of Overwatch, decided to begin reforming the team, the organization, to protect the peace once again despite the Petrus Act, with the team members recruiting old friends and gaining new allies in their fight. Now, it was revealed that Reyes and Morris were not killed in the explosion resulting from their battle, while Jack Morrison became a mass vigilante known as Soldier 76, who was trying to uncover the reasons why Overwatch was shut down. Reyes joined Talent Flame and Gabriel Reyes became Reaper, which is this terrorist with a Grim Reaper-like appearance. 
Now, uh, like I said, like I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, not going to lie, I'm, and I apologize, but not a lot of lore was disclosed about the characters and uh, some of the events leading up to the game's present setting. But in a way, I don't mind it if it means that Overwatch can extend its longevity, which means just like Overwatch 2, and I'm sure that, like I said, I'm speculating a TV series, a movie, more content coming down the road. The fact that they haven't given us everything up front kind of extends the life that the game could have. Uh, characters. Now, not gonna lie, it's a lot of characters. And to be honest, I'm not trying to have you listen to everything I have to say uh, for too long. I'm trying to keep my episodes to one hour. And by that, I mean when I'm doing it solo. But when I'm doing podcasts with Kokugasu and the others, I don't mind it being like an hour and a half, two hours long or whatever. But it really depends on how much time that they have. And... You know, it might go on for like 90 minutes to two hours. But for me, if I'm doing it by myself, I'd rather keep it under an hour. Like, bare minimum, 30 minutes. But, you know, like I said, not trying to keep y'all all day. <laughs> now, characters. Ooh, uh, I am reading something right now. Uh let me just look at it real quick because, oh my God, there's something so funny um, near the end of what I'm about to say. All right, so Overwatch originally featured 12 characters at its November 2014 BlizzCon convention announcement, expanded to 21 by the next year's convention. And the game is character-driven. Reviewers noted that Overwatch emphasis on individual differences between characters in the same role, uh, like for instance, two snipers, as a departure from dominant class-based shooter paradigms. Now, critics widely praise the game's accessible and detailed character design and its role in the game's overall success. Similar to Valve's initial launch of Team Fortress 2, in the absence of a dedicated story mode, Blizzard tells a backstory of Overwatch plot and characters through media outside the game, including anime shorts, character press events, tweets, web comics. The game story centered around a technological singularity in which humanity assembles a team of its best heroes to fight off a rogue and artificial intelligence and its robotic army of Omnics that in an incident called the Omni Crisis, blah, blah, blah. I already told you all that. Here's the part where it got kind of funny. In early 2016, Blizzard released media kits with granular character de detail for fan artists and cosplayers. Preceding the game's launch, <laughs> Preceding the game's launch, Pornhub reported a surge in searches for pornography, including Overwatch's characters. An intellectual property security firm issued multiple takedown requests to sites featuring such videos and other erotica created in source filmmaker. <laughs> hey, you know what it say? Rule 34. If it exists, there's porn of it. And the fact that you have all these different girls is 
this game like Mercy and Sombra and Diva and May, you're just like, yeah, you can kind of see it coming. Hell, they're kind of doing it for Apex Legend too. It's specifically Loba because do you see the ass on that girl? Lord. <laughs> just finger biting, honestly. You're like, <laughs> but yes, let's go into a brief impression of each character. Tracer from United Kingdom. She is good. Like, I like the flash stepping that you do, you know, where basically you kind of dash in different directions so that way uh, you can get some mobility, you can kind of quick step out of damage, taking damage. And it's kind of funny how a lot of folks was kind of shipping Tracer with male characters. Uh, the porn of Tracer being involved, like, like I said, the fan base is wild for this one. But Tracer has been identified as a lesbian, which is cool. But it kind of did upset some people who were like, no, my fandom, my fantasy of having sex with Tracer. No, she's a lesbian. No. <laughs> but no, nah, me personally, I'm thinking it's all good. If she's a lesbian, it's all good. But it is kind of funny how some people reacted to that. Reaper, already explained him. Like with the shotguns and all that, he's kind of a fun tank shredder, you know. Be, you know, tank shredders being the type of um characters that can like shred through guys like Roadhog and Reinhardt. I'll explain them later. And it's also funny because Trickster is also a tank shredder uh, when you think about it, uh, with the way she has her dual uh, guns and the way it's fired off. You just deal a lot of damage at once. Ah, Widowmaker from France. Yes. Once again, one of those ladies that get looted up. And between Tracer, Widowmaker, uh, and Mercy, and also Diva, they're the main ones that have like cosplayers uh, having something like similar to their like for instance diva like the main one where with her suit her uh mech suit like almost any girl can like fill themselves out in those suits and it's cosplay and that's all good it just you know i think diva is one of the uh, easiest cosplays to uh be inclined to do uh, well, yeah, Widowmaker, uh, Sniper, pretty good. Like, you know, get those headshots in. And once you do that ultimate, you can reveal the enemy to your allies. And they're able to figure out a strategy around their hiding spots and all that shit. They're uh, from Egypt, the rocket girl that flies around with a rocket launcher. Uh I like her pretty good. Like, you know what? Honestly, let's just say that I like all characters to a degree. <sighs> Except I haven't really warmed up to Hanzo just yet. 
because you know Hanzo is also a sniper, but he has the bow and arrow, and I feel like, yeah, I'm just not all too impressed with him, except for his old words, like these twin dragons flying at you and dealing all this damage. That's good and all, but I don't know. I haven't really warmed up to Hanzo just yet, even though I did get a play of the game with him, and let's just say I still, ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> Uh, Reinhardt, the man from Germany with the hammer and the shield. I like Reinhardt, especially when he kind of comes up as the kind of grandpa type character. It's like, oh, you kids and your music. <laughs> Mercy, the angel from Switzerland, like the main healer for most people where, oh my God, the way dps and tank class just be yelling at healers be like i need healing i need healing and you just imagine the mercy players uh in particular getting really upset by that but one thing about mercy is that i did miss her old old where she was able to revive the entire team uh depending on how many people were down at the time and if she's like in the area she just raised them all up but then they changed it to where, okay, let's have Mercy, like, fly in the air and she has more attack power and shit. But, I don't know. It's not bad. It's just, I like the old one better. Uh, Torbjörn, the boy from Sweden. Between him and his daughter, well, one of his daughters, Brigitte. Uh, I like them, especially with Torbjörn's, uh, Turrets, the magma molten core ultimate that he has. I call it the lava jizz. <laughs> and Brigida, like, bro, vanilla Brigida, like, you know, when she was first added to the game, she was a monster, like, between the stuns and the maze and the old. It was like, I was fucking killing it with Brigida, but. She unfortunately got nerfed. I mean, she's still good to me, but just not the same as Vanilla Brigitte. And it's kind of funny how a lot of folks like to give up because they find it a little tough to pronounce her name. Some people call her uh, Bridget. Some people call her Baguette. (laughs) But Moving on, Hanzo from Japan. Yeah, I haven't really warmed up to him. Winston from the moon. He is great, especially if you're up against a wrecking ball where wrecking balls old had like just a minefield and they just use Winston's uh, primary fire to, you know, the Tesla cannon to kind of mine sweep all that shit. Uh, Zenyatta, the Omnic from Nepal. Like, bruh, I was a Zenyatta main for a hot minute. Like, I had a lot of game, play of the games and highlights from him. Uh, honestly, let me try to blaze through some of these because, yeah, I'm not gonna. Like I said, I'm not trying to keep all y'all listening to me for very long. <laughs> Uh, Bastion, Symmetra, Zarya. Ah, 
I'm kind of not used to Cassidy being named Cassidy now because he was originally McCree, but because of some controversy, they had to change his name. Uh, Soldier 76, Lucio, Roadhog, Junkrat, Diva, May, Genji, Anna, Sombra, Orissa, Doomfist, Moira, Brigitte, Wrecking Ball, Ash, Baptiste, Sigma, Echo, Sojourn, Junker Queen, and Kiriko. Uh, by the way, all these characters that I listed, they all based on uh, release date. So, in other words, uh, most of them was released back in May 24, 2016. And pretty much ever since Anna and afterwards, like we just kept adding them on whenever they can. Now, out of the rest of them that I listed, I would say I like Bastion. I like Symmetra. I definitely like Zarya. Cassidy is one of my weaker picks, not gonna lie. Soldier is okay. Definitely like Lucio. Roadhog is cool, but one of my weaker picks too. I'm a junk rat god. Like, that's one of my friends would say. So, don't question my abilities as junk rat. <laughs> Diva, I like her. May, ooh. Uh, the Thick Ice Queen, definitely like her, even though she was kind of monstrous uh, to some folks, not going to lie. Uh, Genji, the main boy that needs healing, he's alright. Ana is cool, still a weak pick for me. Sombra is cool, and moderate success with Sombra. Definitely good with Orisa. Doomfist is great, but weak pick for me. I've been a Mora main for a hot minute, so I'm definitely good with her. Brigitte, I right, explained that to you. Wrecking Ball is a fun choice, but not my best choice. Not, not gonna lie. Ash, same thing. She's like a sniper, but her main thing is summoning Bob. Do something! And... That's like the best you guys. Like, if you're not really good at sniping, just send out Bob whenever possible, and Bob will do most of the work for you. <laughs> Baptiste is good. I like him, like, especially where a lot of his kit relies on team synergy. So I figured Baptiste was one of those support characters where he's kind of making you uh, prioritize team synergy more than anything. He's, he's good. I like him. Sigma. I I do like him. Not my best choice, but one thing is like, you know, he if you heard his origin story, you know that dude's kinda a little mad. Not mad as in angry, but mad as in like almost crazy. Like little boy. Like you're just gonna have to uh, look into it. Just look into it. But you know, I kind of like Sigma where it's like, hold together, uh, the music, he started playing again. And, you know, just look into it. Echo, not bad. I'm not good with her, but she's not bad. And then we have the last three soldier, Junker Queen and Kiriko, which is not available just yet, but it will be available in Overwatch 2. So, yeah, 
Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, if you're kind of expecting a detailed um, description of these characters from me, but I figured either play the game or read the animated comics and whatnot, because, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm not trying to keep you all day. Now, one major thing I want to get into before I go ahead and... Uh, close out this episode of the podcast the controversies let's talk about the controversy because I think um, it can be kind of interesting to know about this and there's a bunch to it like there's a whole lot of shit going on while the developers were aiming to avoid sexualization of the characters you're not going to avoid that rule 37 if the woman exists Chances are they're going to loot her up. Like, it's almost inevitable. You might as well just let it be what it is. But there were certain criticisms of the female characters of the game during development. In February 2015, Anita Sarkeesian uh, commented on the lack of diversity in the female heroes' body types from the game's first 12 uh, revealed characters, while Nathan Nathan Grayson, excuse me, got a little spit up, um, Build up, my bad. <laughs> Nathan Grayson of Kotaku remarked that Overwatch's women are mostly super slim and clad in cat suits. Ah, that didn't really bother me that much, but I don't know. Maybe it's because of my man. Like I'm just like I don't got no problem with it. <laughs> In March 2015, the development team revealed a new character, Zarya. A female Russian bodybuilder with a muscular body and pledged commitment to the diversity. So that led to the snowball of the diversity thing, which is not bad at all. I'm not going to complain at all. Just that's just what happened. Now, following promotional images featuring the female character Tracer in 2016, of uh, March of 2016. A thread on Blizzard's official forum drew attention to one of Tracer's victory poses, which was criticized by a user as out of character and over-sexualized. You know, that one uh, pose where it's like she has her uh, one leg up and she's all perky and happy and all that shit, but the way they kind of had her pose uh, did look a little sexualized, especially when you consider that it's basically her like having that leg up or it's almost like uh, her ass is uh, it's like how can I describe this? It's like essentially it's kind of highlighting it to where uh, it's almost as if she's standing uh, facing away from you and it kind of like bruh It's kind of hard for me to explain, but essentially you just got to um, go online and see, uh, just Google Tracer Victory Pose, and you'll probably see what I mean. Now, this thread on Blizzard's official uh, forum uh, drew attention to that Victory Pose, and uh, Jeff Kaplan, back when he was running the show, apologized for the post, stating that the last thing we want to do is make someone feel uncomfortable, underappreciated, or misrepresented, and confirmed that Blizzard planned to replace the pose. And Kaplan's response drew mixed reactions from the gaming uh, community. 
with many claiming Blizzard had foregone its creative control over the game and censored its content to placate one offended user, while others praised Blizzard's willingness to listen to the community and adhere to standards for portraying a character according to their personality. Kaplan later stated that the team was already unsure of the pose and was thinking of changing it. The following week, a replacement pose was released, although it was noted to be similar to the original pose. The replacement pose was alleged to be influenced by uh, Billy Divorce, uh, cheesecake pinup art. The pose was replaced during the game's beta period. See, there you go right there. Uh, a better description of what that pose was. Now, following the game's release, even more controversies, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be quite a few, so hopefully I can keep this within under 20 minutes because I'm 20 minutes to that mark that I said I was going to be on. Following the game's release, some of the alternative outfits for characters had come under criticism for using cultural stereotypes such as a Native American headdress option for the character of Farah, who seemed to be primarily of Egyptian origin, as confirmed she is from Egypt, the same with Anna, their uh, mother and daughter. Yes, yeah, she's from Egypt, and they didn't like how, oh, that's a cultural appropriation, like she's... Uh, Egyptian, not uh, Native American. And I don't know. It's like, again, I wasn't one of those people that complained, but yeah, that does seem culturally insensitive. So, like, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, Kaplan noted that they had considered if these outfits were appropriate and believed they were uh, respecting the cultures of the characters they had created and would make necessary changes if they felt they were valid concerns. Uh, Kaplan com commented that many players have responded positively to these outfits and feel they fit in appropriately to with the idealized version of Earth. And later game developers showed that Pharaoh was set up as half Egyptian, half Native American character, making such uh, outfits appropriate in hindsight. So there you go. Like some folks kind of jumped the gun on that, but I honestly think it's kind of a cop out because. You made it look like she was from purely Egyptian origin, but considering that we don't know a whole lot about her father, and you can kind of see uh, some dude with Anna and baby Vera kind of speculated that that could have been her father, and to say that, oh, she's half Egyptian, half Native American, oh, now you can justify the fact that Vera has this Native American headdress. <laughs> Man, it's what it is, huh? Uh, another controversy, like, hold on, let me count how many there's left. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, five more and I'm done. Uh, in July 2016, the president of the Universal Society of Hinduism, uh, Rajan Zed, I hope I pronounced that name correctly, urged Blizzard to remove two of Symmetra's hero cosmetic items from the game since it could be seen as inappropriate and not accurate towards the beliefs and practice of Hinduism. In Hinduism, devotees put their destinies in the hands of their gods and goddesses. This is a stark contrast to how he uh, believes they are portrayed within the game. Uh, Zed has in the past commented on their other video game depictions of Hindu-inspired gods, such as in the multiplayer MOBA, let's just go with um, Smite. Uh, that's a, another MOBA game. Uh, he did comment on the depictions of Hindus, Barry Gods, and that one. 
another controversy in Overwatch's age of servers, there were problems with numerous players using cheats tied to the growing number of younger players using PC bangs in South Korea that allowed them to play Overwatch on an inexpensive hourly rate rather than purchasing the game. As these players do not need permanent accounts, they can use disposable Battle.net accounts and employ game hacks without repercussions. And if that account is banned, they can quickly make another one and continue playing. Blizzard continues to block these accounts at a rate of thousands per day, but have not been able to find a more permanent solution. So subsequently, Blizzard announced that players from South Korea would be required to log into a Battle.net account to play the game from February 2017 onward, which requires a difficult to spoof resident registration number, among other unique information, which Blizzard believed would help to alleviate the problem. As to maintain a fair competitive field on consoles, Blizzard has spoken out against the use of input converters that will allow console players to use keyboard mouse controllers, believing this gives an advantage to players that can afford the converter. Some players have criticized the ability to use these converters as players with them often populate the top of the competitive ranking ladders. Just goes to show, if you want to play Overwatch competitively, you're better off doing it on PC. That's basically what they're saying, but don't put keyboard and mouse on a console and try to expect better. Because, you know, with the keyboard and mouse, you can uh, point to the enemy a lot better and all these, like, a lot quicker reactions and all that shit. But mainly, if you're going to take competitive Overwatch seriously, I would suggest playing on PC. Though Blizzard has appealed to Sony and Microsoft to either prevent such converters or to detect when such converters are used as to be able to segregate players into servers based on this, disabled players have spoken out against such action as many need to use such converters to play the game on consoles, lacking the ability to use a normal controller. <laughs> well, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> After a year from its release, journalists observed that the player community was becoming more toxic. Well, whoop-de-doo. Like, what do you expect? Like, honestly, like I was saying for a while now, I just think that it's just only a matter of time before anything becomes toxic because I don't really think it's a matter of, oh, well, you know, uh, Overwatch and Dragon Ball Z and Naruto and other fandoms that you're probably thinking about. Oh, they have a toxic fan base, but I really, I think it's more lines of you just have toxic people that like the same thing that you like. That's really what it is. And even then, I wouldn't necessarily say toxic, but more like there's just some folks where you know they're cool, they're just cool people, and then there's some folks where you just feel like. Ah, I think I need to avoid this person. It's kind of like that. But, you know, uh, you can say toxic if you want to, but maybe there's more to it than that. I don't know. But anyways, Overwatch, the player community getting toxic, disrupting the enjoyment of playing the game. It was believed this came from the nature of the game that requires teamwork, and when teammates sees players unwilling to switch to different heroes to balance your team or otherwise play for individual games, 
This will cause the teammates to become angry and lash out at the player, become griefers and throw the match or other harmful behavior that would spread over time, particularly in the game's competitive mode. Players are able to report malicious users with in-game tools and Blizzard can ban players for egregious actions, but they do not attempt to segregate out bad actors from the larger pool, which is a method used by other developers and multiplayer games. Instead, keeping an inclusive community for all non-banned players, which believe to contribute to the growing toxicity. Mm. Kaplan said that in September's 2017 update, that Blizzard was very well aware of the problem and have worked to improve their in-game player behavior, reporting news to help combat the toxicity. But because they have had to put greater effort into this, they are distracted from developing new features and content from the game. Kaplan urged the community to consider how they can improve individually and as a whole to help combat the situation. Now see, right there, I will have to pause and say, it's really funny how they can't focus on adding new shit to the game because we have asshats that want to make the game uh, less enjoyable for others. There it is. I, that's probably one of the reasons. And keep in mind, like I just said, they, with the South Eight, I mean, not South Eight, uh, South Korean uh, circle, they have spent, um, uh, their days trying to ban like thousands of accounts like a day and <sighs> yeah like it's kind of wonder why uh, they haven't been adding new shit on and let me see is this it okay yep this is the last controversy as far as I know in November 2017, the Belgian Gaming Commission announced that it was investigating Overwatch alongside Star Wars Battlefront 2 to determine whether loot boxes constituted unlicensed gambling. Many Asian and European countries view loot boxes as a form of gambling and have since decided to make them illegal for companies to sell directly to their consumers in their games. Blizzard has chosen to work with these regions to follow their gambling laws while staying true to their microtransaction-focused business model. Within China, Blizzard has allowed their players to purchase in-game currency and receive loot boxes as a gift. Quote, unquote. In addition to this loot box chain, China has required Blizzard to publicly disclose the exact odds of winning each tier of item within said loot box, which they did. While initially loot boxes were not seen as gambling within the United States, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission has recently decided to investigate the legality of the projected soon to be $50 billion industry of microtransactions. And personally, that's the part where I feel like even if you don't really care if they're getting rid of loot boxes or not, it's more like I think they're getting rid of loot boxes to kind of cover their own asses from, you know, they don't want to get in trouble for unlicensed gambling, you know what I mean? So... That's probably why they decided with Overwatch 2, let's just get rid of loot boxes and do battle passes now, where basically you either got to grind to get what you uh, want or pay for it. But no longer you're just gambling on if you're getting that one skin you wanted during that one season. Like, for instance, the anniversary event, honestly, is like the best one 
because not only are they celebrating uh, another year of Overwatch, but also basically everything from all the seasonal events, they get unlocked for a small window of time. Not too small, but, you know, like maybe like a month at max. And that's usually in June, uh, leading into like mid-July. Now, I will say this. They definitely need to bring back some emotes and skins that you just can't get anymore. Like, for instance, Pink Mercy, when they did that for, uh, you know, breast cancer awareness, like, that was one of like, the best ones, but it was a $15 skin, and at first, you know, I didn't even play Mercy enough to even care, but the fact that, oh, uh, if you didn't get it then, then you're shit out of luck. <laughs> so, I really hope they bring back Pink Mercy. Like, at very best, if they're gonna do breast cancer awareness, um, at least don't just bring awareness in that one year maybe because oh uh this was a major thing at the time and they're like okay how can we finagle sales out of this oh i know let's add a cool looking skin charge 15 dollars for people to get it and if they don't get it by then they're just shit out of luck you should have contributed to the cause <laughs> Yeah, bring Pink Pink Mercy back. And also that one Lucio skin, I mean, not skin, uh, emo where he has a DJ booth and he's doing all that. But that was $30 for that one emo. And I'm sitting here like, bro, people are spending $30 more for an emo. But then again, Pokemon Unite is selling these skins like for $40. Like, you go on Pokemon Unite, look up some of the epic or legendary skins like i think they like the highest grade skins they are 21.99 eos gems and if you go into buying eos gems the closest pack that you can get that can give you just enough eos gems to get those skins is $40 a lot of people aren't doing that so the fact that you're going to have somebody pay $30 for email, I was like, you must have the money to go ahead and do that. But personally, I don't know about that. Uh, about five minutes left. Uh, other than that, my overall experience with Overwatch, I liked it. I don't care what anyone else thinks. Like, I liked it and I plan on playing it some more, even though I'm an adult that... Don't have as much time as I used to, but I do plan on doing it anyways. So if you're interested in playing Overwatch or at least getting more context of the lore than I gave you, then go ahead and check it out. Uh, pretty sure that the anime comes is on the Blizzard website. And also, I am keeping everyone updated with Overwatch in my Discord server. So check out the Discord server. I'm going to leave a link in the uh description and uh other than that that's about it i thank everybody for listening to me to the end check us out we are zealots of nerd entertainment on facebook instagram uh 
we're going to launch that Twitter account in 2013. Uh, not 2013. God damn it. 2023. <laughs> <sighs> Patreon is also coming in 2023, but I'm planning on doing something similar in the Discord server. Uh, maybe in October just to test the waters on a subscription service. But yeah, with the Discord server, we have a lot of updates on games, anime, movies, whatnot. We're doing a whole bunch of other cool shit like art contests, monthly raffles on some of the 3D malls that I can 3D print, giveaways. Did I say watch parties? No, I didn't. Watch parties from things like Netflix, Hulu. Uh, you want to watch certain things that uh, you're interested in, then just check us out on Discord. We might do a watch party on that. Uh, tournaments for fighting games and racing games and also mm, I don't want to like make this like the main headliner you know I'm not trying to advertise this too much but to be fair there is some um, spicy content in the discord server so uh, if you're interested in something like that then uh, you know just check out the discord it's the link is going to be in the description. <laughs> but other than that, yo, y'all, thank you. Thank you for listening to me so far. I do appreciate your support. Uh, and, oh, you know what? Give me some feedback on some of these podcasts because, you know, I'm always trying to look to improve on things. I know I need more, better equipment and better techniques. But, you know, just let me know. You like what we're doing? I'll uh, just... Say, hey, yo, we appreciate what y'all doing. And I will appreciate that in kind. If you think we need some improvements to be made, then let that be known. But until the next episode of The Zone Podcast, y'all stay nerdy, my friends. Great things are coming. And I am zoning out.